You say, preacher, where is it? Start in Matthew and you'll get there by halfway of the sermon, okay? <laughs> First Thessalonians chapter number 2. And I'm going to read the first 12 verses of this particular chapter. Notice here, 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 1, For yourselves, brethren, know our entrance in unto you, that it was not in vain. But even after that we had suffered before and were shamefully entreated, as ye know, at Philippi, we were bold in our God to speak unto you the gospel of God with much contention. For our exhortation was not of deceit, nor of uncleanness, nor in guile, but as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak not as pleasing men, but God which trieth our hearts. For neither at any time used we flattering words, as ye know, nor a cloak of covetousness. God is witness. Nor of men sought we glory, neither of you, nor yet of others, when we might have been burdensome as the apostles of Christ." But we were gentle among you, even as a nurse cherisheth her children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were willing to have imparted unto you not the gospel of God only, but also our own souls, because ye were dear unto us. For you remember, brethren, our labor and travail, for laboring night and day, because we would not be chargeable unto any of you, We preached unto you the gospel of God. Ye are witnesses, and God also, how holily and justly and unblameably we behaved ourselves among you that believe. As ye know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you, as a father doth his children, that ye would walk worthy of God, who hath called you unto his kingdom and glory." A little different passage here today. I'm going to draw just a couple of statements. I'll I'll, I'll walk through most of the passage here. But I want to talk here from today about keys to being a godly father. Now, this message is not just for fathers. You say, well, I'm here at church. I'm a lady or I'm a teenager, you know, whatever it may be. Or you don't have children. Regardless, the message will apply across the board, but I do want to talk about keys to being a godly father. Let's pray together. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to be able to share the Word of God. I pray that you just grant us understanding. May the Spirit of God speak to us and pinpoint the very needs that we have. And Lord, may we be obedient to that which we hear. And we pray this all in Jesus' precious name. Amen. There's an old English proverb that tells how important fathers really are. It says, a father is more than a hundred schoolmasters. Fathers are often more appreciated at different ages of their children's growing up. Mark Twain had the candor to admit a change in his perception of his father. He said, when I was a boy of 14... My father was so ignorant, I could hardly stand to have the old man around. But when I got to 21, I was astonished how much he had learned in seven years. You know, being a father is a humbling job, often a thankless position, a daunting task. But yet, it's one of the most rewarding if you put your all into it and guide the children in your household to spiritual truths. Doesn't matter what job you have in this world, 
Your job as a father, and those of you grandfathers today, is really the most valuable. doesn't matter what you become in this world. It is those who call you dad that should mean the most to you. I read this some time ago, and I thought it was very interesting. I'll give the author of it afterwards. But this man said, by profession, I am a soldier. And take pride in that fact. But I am prouder, infinitely prouder to be a father. A soldier destroys in order to build. A father only builds, never destroys. The one has the potentialities of death, the other embodies creation of life. And while the hordes of death are mighty, the battalions of life are mightier still. It is my hope that my son, it is my hope that my son, when I am gone, will remember me, not from the battle, but in the home, repeating with him our simple daily prayer, Our Father, who art in heaven. That was General Douglas MacArthur. Now, where 1 Thessalonians, the passage that we read, doesn't seem much like a passage concerning fathers and fatherhood, I want you to note the end of verse number 11, where Paul says that I exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father does his children. Then go back to verse number 1, Paul's explaining there his entrance, his coming to the people of Thessalonica, and it was in a certain way. In other words, the ministry that Paul had with the Thessalonian believers was with and for them characterized in a certain way. And how was that way characterized? It was similar to the way that a parent would help out their child, how they would love them and encourage them. So again, note not only the end of verse number 11, where Paul encourages them that he was like a father to them, but verse number 7, where Paul shares that he loved on them like a parent would his very own child. I want to explore this passage this morning and how Paul's love for the Thessalonian believers can be an example to every father today who listens to this message. Note three keys to being a godly father. First of all, in verses 7 to 8, I want you to note here the expressions of love. The expressions of love. There are two aspects I want you to see of how a father ought to express his love. Number one, a father will nurture his children according to verse number 7. Look what Paul tells these believers in verse number 7. He says, we were gentle among you. That word gentle has a sense of how you would hold a little infant. How many of you have gotten to see Pastor Ethan and Mitzi's baby yet? Is it not amazing when you look at a baby, a newborn And maybe the mother says, you want to hold him? And often I think to myself, do I really want to hold him? Now, I love little babies, and honestly, I love holding little babies. But truthfully, I look at that little one, and I think, I could break that baby easy. That baby's tender. 
That baby's so, so fragile, if you will. And what Paul is saying is the gentleness that he had in coming in to the believers was just like you and I had with holding a little baby. Now, how amazing Ariel is over here. And Ariel, how old is Micah? 18 months. For those of you that aren't mothers, that's a year and a half, all right? Mothers always go in months here. But a year and a half or 18 months. Now, I can pick that little boy up and I don't feel like I'm going to break him at all. I mean, I feel like he's, he's a little bit more, uh, uh, I don't even know what to say. Just, but he, There you go. But he's not like the little infant. Paul is telling the believers that he's coming into them very gentle. There's a very great care that he has. And then he elaborates on that in the next verse, and he's not referencing here. I want you to notice in verse number 7, he says about a nurse cherishing her children. Now, he's not referencing a nurse as in a person who's in that profession, but the word nurse references here a nursing mother. What's Paul driving at by talking about being gentle, by coming into the believers just like a nursing mother would? Well, When Paul arrived in the city of Thessalonica, he found that there were many enemies around him that were trying to discredit him. Ultimately, Paul's not so concerned about himself, but he was concerned about the sake of the gospel. And so this is why he describes his ministry as he does in the first few verses. Look at verse number 3, if you will. Paul alludes to the fact that all around him, there were many religious systems that were there for what they could gain and how they could deceive, but that's not the Apostle Paul. And it constantly was not his presentation of the gospel. He says, God gave us this ministry we had with you. And we weren't going to come to any pulpit and stand before you to try to gain favor from you. That's the word flattery. Neither did we attempt to hide anything from you. That's that cloak of covetousness. In other words, Paul's coming to these these Thessalonian believers very gentle and like a nursing mother. He is coming with no pretense. Verse number 6, he reminds them that he did not do this for their glory. For his glory, but he did it for the sake of the gospel. And now, after describing how he didn't come in to abuse them, he then says, we were gentle with them, like a nursing mother who tenderly cares for her little ones. How can I apply that to fathers today? Fathers, you and I are battered around in this world and we have problems abounding all around us. It seems like everything is against us to do what we need to do. But may I encourage you to love your children. Tell them you love them. Now, I grew up in a household. My dad and I today, I just spoke to my dad on the way into church this morning. And my dad and I both said to one another that we loved each other. But I didn't hear a lot of that growing up. Now, I didn't think to myself, well, my dad doesn't love me. But one thing I did when I established our home and Johnny came along and then Jimmy and then Julianne is I always let them know that I love them. Some dads might think to themselves, well, that's mother's job to tell them that she loves them. Once in a while, when I feel like they're, maybe they're behaving well, I might tell them that I love them. 
But my friend, I want to tell you on a regular, constant basis, you ought to tell your children that you love them. Show them that you love them. Don't just tell them. Show them. Now, showing them is not just in buying gifts. Showing them is in spending time with them. Showing them is in having that quantity and quality time where you are investing in them and you are with them on a constant basis. But I'm telling you, another way you can let your children know that you love them is by loving your wife. If you're married here today and your children are still in the home, someone once said the best gift that you can give your children is to love their mother. I read somewhere about a father who was sitting in his den watching television and his 16-year-old daughter was on the sofa with him. The dad looked over at her and thought of how she used to come and jump in his lap. He remembered the games he used to play with her. He recalled pushing her on the swing in the park. He thought about how she had grown up into a beautiful young woman and he was so proud of her. He wanted to tell her, but he thought that she would think it was silly. He wanted to hug her, but he thought she would think she was too old for that mushy parent stuff. However, the daughter, while she was sitting on the couch, was thinking the same things to herself. She was thinking of the times that her dad used to hug her and tell her how proud he was of her. She wondered if he was disappointed in her now that she was older. Dads, don't stop loving your children. Never stop telling them that you love them. And what's amazing is that the picture in this verse, verse number 7, of a dad loving his children and Paul loving the Thessalonian believers is not simply just an emotion. Love is not just an emotion. But I want you to notice here this picture of the gentleness and the nursing mother here gives a sense of the security that is brought about when someone loves someone else. Oh, the tenderness shown to an infant is necessary because they're fragile. Your children, spiritually speaking, are fragile and need that protective love from their father. So the expression of love is not only that a father will nurture his children, but secondly, a father will give of himself to his children. Look look at verse number eight. Paul is telling these believers here that he had such a desire and yearning for them that he was willing to sacrifice himself. How amazing when we put some scriptures together and we read in the book of Acts chapter number 17 on Paul's second missionary journey when he came to Thessalonica. The Bible records there in Acts 17 that Paul was there for three Sabbath days, three Saturdays in a row, and he entered into the synagogue and he preached to all in attendance about Jesus Christ. Now the Bible tells us There was a lot of Jews that believed. But sadly, just like in every other city, there was a number of Jews that did not believe. And in fact, in Thessalonica, there were some Jews who did not believe that they were moved with envy over Paul and his message. So you know what the Bible tells us? These people moved with envy. They went and grabbed people in the streets 
who are just waiting there to get involved in some mischief. And they gathered those people together, and they decided they were going to put a hurting on Paul and his missionary team. It got so bad in Thessalonica that Paul was let out at nighttime to escape the city to get to his next destination. And yet, what is Paul telling them? He was so desirous of them that he would have given his life for them. Fathers, are you willing to give yourself in that way to your children? You may be tired at the end of a long work day, but your children need the sacrifice of a father who will give them love and attention. You may not know much Scripture yourself, and you're still learning a lot of things, but a godly father will sacrifice by studying the Word of God to know it, so he may impart it to his children. You may not know how to communicate spiritual truths of the Word of God, but a dad who loves God will sacrifice all he can to have a heart for God and a desire for God so again he can transmit these eternal truths to his children. I love what Paul said about another group of believers. He says, I will very gladly spend and be spent for you. Your children depend on you. and They'll know that love. They'll sense that love because of the sacrifice. Far, far too many fathers sacrifice for everything and anything else. And in essence, they end up sacrificing their children to everything else. Many dads work as if they need to make all their money today, but they sacrifice their children. Many dads have so committed themselves to every other hobby that their kids are barely in the picture. There was a story that was told, a man by the name of Steve Farrar wrote a book called Anchorman. He shares that too many men and fathers are like NASCAR men. How many of you like NASCAR racing? All right, just about two of you, that's good. (laughs) This illustration will only appeal to you, okay? He goes on to explain that such men remind him of NASCAR races. In stock car racing, there is something called a pit stop. A race car comes off the racetrack into an area where a team of seven men are waiting. The moment the car stops, these men fly into action. They can pour in 22 gallons of gas, clean the windshield, change four tires, and have the car moving again in about 18 seconds. Farrar states that many men are just like that. They try to run their family like a NASCAR driver. They fly into the home, gulp their food, give instructions, fly out again for games or or a career, and the children don't even know their dad. So may I say to you today that if you're going to be a godly father, one key that you may have is there's going to be a great expression of love for them. Number two, I want you to notice from verses 9 to 10 that there has to be an example of life. An example of life. Now again, I notice here, this word pops up, the word sacrifice. Verse number 9, a father will sacrifice for his children for certain purposes. Now in verse 9, Paul reminds the believers that he sacrificed for them. In other words, how did he sacrifice for these Thessalonians? Well, he worked around the clock 
while he was in their city. During the daytime, Paul's a missionary giving the gospel, preaching the word of God, helping to lead people to a saving knowledge of Christ. In the evening, Paul's on the street corner. He's making tents to make some money so he can live. He did this so they could benefit from his ministry and message. And his ultimate goal was not to take from them, but to give to them so they could hear the gospel. How important it is that you, as a parent and as a dad, make the necessary sacrifices that our children will hear and will know the gospel. You say, well, how can I sacrifice so my children hear and know the gospel? The first thing you can do is by being faithful at bringing your children to church where they will hear the gospel. Our thrust in Calvary Baptist Church for every generation of classes that we do It doesn't matter if it's children's classes, it doesn't matter if it's teen classes, it doesn't matter if it's something for adults, all of what we're trying to do is twofold. Number one, we're here to reach the lost with the gospel. Number two, we're to equip the saved. That's our twofold purpose, is to lead people to a saving knowledge of Christ, and then once those people are saved, is to help them follow the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, there was some stunning research done by some researchers in Switzerland, some demographers there, and they compared some things here about those who regularly attend church as families. Here's what they found. In households where only the mother went to services every week, a minuscule 2-3% to of children grew up to do the same. In households where both the father and mother attended, that number jumped to 33% of their children, with a further 41% coming to church irregularly. And only a quarter of kids whose mom and dads both made church a priority dropped out entirely. Dads, you make a difference. Don't just, bring, don't just send your kids to church. Don't just tell them how important it is. Lead them in coming. How amazing, though, the research went further and got a little strange. In families where only the father attended church regularly, the percentage of children following his example was actually higher than it is where both parents faithfully showed up on Sunday. As many as 44% of children whose fathers regularly attended church, but mothers never did, followed in their dad's footsteps. Now, again, don't take this idea, well, mothers, you're not important as far as going to church. If you're the only one in your household leading your children to church, take them to church. But I'm speaking to dads today. Dads lead. Dads bring. Dads take them to church. But not only is it bringing them to church, it is also saturating your children with the gospel at home. Make Jesus well known to your children at home. Is Jesus only an occasional guest in your home? Is He only occasionally spoken of once in a while when you are getting ready for church? No, Jesus ought to be someone you talk about on a regular basis. In your household, you ought to give constant praise to Jesus for what He's done for you. Rehearse often the gospel, whether all or none in your household are saved. Constantly give the gospel. What am I saying? 
If we're going to have an example here, we've got to go ahead and we've got to sacrifice for our children. But number two part is that in verse 10, we've got to live a holy life before our children. A father will live a holy life before his children. Once again, Paul's reminding, verse number 10, the Thessalonian believers of the way that he lived among them. Notice these three words he used in verse 10. He lived holily. That is the word for being sanctified, dedicated, dedicated or set apart. He lived justly before them. That is, he wanted to make sure he lived right before others and he lived right before God and he lived unblameably. Nobody had any cause to bring up anything. There was no ought that anybody had with Paul. If there was, it wasn't that Paul was perfect. It wasn't that Paul didn't have problems come up. But Paul attempted to make those things right. And Paul is letting these Thessalonian believers, he's letting them know, I came into you not just verbalizing things of the gospel, but I tried to live a certain way. As Paul's life is an example to the Thessalonian believers, your life as a father should be an example to your children. If I were to ask your children about the example that you set, and I had time to be able to sit down with them, and they answered honestly, what would your children say? It's a scary thought, isn't it? If I had a chance to ask your wife about the example you set before your children, what would your wife say? The beauty about living a godly example and a good example is that for some dads, they may have a hard time communicating with their mouth the Word of God But may I say, you can communicate with your life. It's often been said, more is caught than taught. More is caught than taught. There was a father and son that arrived in a small western town years ago, and they were looking for an uncle whom they had never, ever seen. Suddenly the father, pointing there in the town square as he saw people just moving all over, he pointed over to this man and he said with all that he had, he said, there goes my uncle. His son looked up at him, he said, dad, he said, how do you know when you've never seen your uncle before? He said, son, I know him because he walks exactly like my father. And my friend, your children are watching you. They're listening. They're observing And how important it is to set that example. So a godly father is one who expresses love. A godly father is one who lives by example. But thirdly and lastly, verses 11 through 12, another key for being a godly father is the encouragement for living. Again, verse 11 and verse 12, I have one thing of each verse here. First of all, a father will take time to teach his children. Note verse 11, Paul did such a noble thing by taking time to speak the truths of the Word of God to these Thessalonians. Notice how the Bible says he exhorted them. He came alongside them and encouraged them. He comforted them. That is, he came alongside to cheer up. He charged them. He testified in affirmation of something in their lives. And your children, like the Thessalonians, are young. They're going through struggles of life And they need you to take time to teach them. Come alongside and encourage the good things that they're doing. 
Kids need an encouraging word. We've got a little tricycle for my granddaughter that we keep at her house. And one of the last times that my granddaughter was up at her house, she asked me if she could take the tricycle outside and ride there in the road. And I was making sure there was hardly any traffic coming by. And so we're going through and she's still learning how to pedal. I'll be honest with you, I'm, I'm not always patient with things. And inside, to a certain degree, I'm just like, look, just move your feet forward and you're going to be fine. But I knew that was not the way to work my granddaughter, especially a little girl. And so guess what I kept doing all along the way? You got it? You got it? Push that foot forward. All right, good, good job, good job. Way to go, yay! Now that's not me. But truthfully, I was trying to teach by loving on her and encouraging her to go along the way. Maybe a simple illustration, but your children need your encouragement. They need you to come alongside them and cheer them up. You'd have to admit children today are going through so much more in our society than we ever faced. They need your encouragement. They need you to teach them by encouraging. They need you to teach them about the hardships of life. They need you to teach them uh, and communicate some of the things that they need for this life. And so a father will take time to teach his children. But number two, according to verse 12, a father will lead his children to the right goals. Notice Paul's ultimate goal for the Thessalonians. That ye would walk worthy of God. That's a great goal. You talk about just a very simple, noble goal that Paul had for those Thessalonian believers that he, that he ministered to. He said, look, he said, at the end of the day, when I leave this city and everything is gone with my ministry to you, I want this to be said, that you walk worthy with God. What's your goal with your children? Is your goal that they make the honor roll? Is your goal that they make it to the next level of sports? Is it your goal that your children are well known? Or is it your goal that they're financially stable? Now, I'm not saying that any of those things are wrong in and of themselves. But I'm here to say that far too many Christian fathers have... Only worldly goals for their children. If their children are smart and have a lot of money in the bank and have a great paying job, they think to themselves, well, look at what I've done. I want to tell you something. There is something great to be said about dads who are leading their children in spiritual goals. What are the goals, dads, that you have your children for your children when they step out of your house? I guarantee if I polled every one of you, you'd honestly answer this. Well, I I want my children. I'd love for them to read the Bible. I'd love for them to go ahead and be in church. I'd love for them to minister for the Lord through local church. Well, I want to tell you something. If you want those goals, do you know how to attain them? Day by day, month by month, year by year, you must help them reach those spiritual goals. 
You say, preacher, I I don't know what goals that I I should have. Sit down with your wife, pray before the Lord, and start writing some things down and saying, these are the things that I want my children to attain for God. Paul had a noble goal for his spiritual children. And you and I ought to have a goal for our children. Can I say to you today that they'll never reach the goals unless we start setting some things for them? Have you ever considered the law of the harvest? There's a common law in agriculture and in farming, which was very common in the days that the Bible was written. You're not going to get a crop unless you plant seed. And Paul draws on that in the book of Galatians, chapter number 6, verse 7. He says, look, do you realize that whatsoever you sow, that shall you also reap? It applies to your life. You sow in the world of sinful things, guess what? You're going to reap consequences. But may I remind you that dads, that if you start sowing out spiritual truths and setting spiritual goals for your children, Lord willing, you can reap a harvest. The law of the harvest is powerful. Oh, my friend, how can I encourage you in these matters to set goals for your children? So today we talked about keys to being a godly father. There's expressions of love. There's an example of life. There's an encouragement for living. And maybe you are falling short in one of those areas. Then today you can come before God and ask God to help you to do what you need to do. I read some time ago one of the most powerful stories that I have read in a long time, and it had to do with the Olympic Games. It involved a canoeing specialist named Bill Havens. The man was considered in 1924 a shoe-in to win the gold medal at the Games that were held in Paris. But a few months before the games were held, he learned that his wife would likely give birth to their first child while he was away. She told him that she could make it on her own, but this was a milestone Bill could not miss. So he surprised everybody in his country, and he told them he was staying home. Bill greeted his infant son, Frank, into the world on August 1st, 1924. Though he always wondered what might have been, he said he never regretted the decision. Bill poured his life into that little lad and shared his love with him over the years. 24 years passed, and the Olympic Games were now being held in Helsinki, Finland. This time, Frank Havens was chosen to complete in the canoeing event. The day after the competition, Bill received a telegram from his son that read, Dear Dad, Thanks for waiting around for me to be born in 1924. I'm coming home with the gold medal that you should have won. And it was signed, Your Loving Son, Frank. You know, a lot of people would have questioned Bill Haven's decision to miss that golden opportunity for him to win the gold medal in Paris. 
but his decision, he never wavered about it. He wanted his family to know that they came first no matter what. And that made him a hero to a little boy by the name of Frank. Dads, you may not be well known in this world, but you're a hero to some little boy or girl that you're raising. Grandpa, you got a great task, great opportunity. You may be retired and nobody's calling out your name much anymore, but you got some little ones running around that look up to you. And how important it is that we love on our children. That we set the right example for them. And that we teach them and give them that example of life. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for the blessing of being able to be here and hear thy word. I pray that you'd help our fathers today to be men who will yield themselves to you. And Lord, as we have this invitation time, I pray that you'd work in hearts here today. Guide us, Lord. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed here today, I'm going to take the first part of my invitation and just talk to those that are dads and grandparents, granddads and dads. What a great opportunity you have to influence the next generation. What a great opportunity you have to influence your children, whether they be at home or whether they be out of your home, your grandchildren. As I said in the beginning, it is a daunting task. Seems like a thankless job, but it is something that is very worthy. And I don't know about you, but when I come across something that I know is very, very important in life, I need prayer and lots of it. And some of you are going through struggles in your life. You're having difficulties and you're a little discouraged about things that are going on. Take heart, my friend. God's with you. He's a father. He understands. He knows. And in just a moment after I have you stand, I'm going to invite every dad and every grandparent that would to come to this, as I call it, an old-fashioned altar. Just yield themselves before God. And I want you to come and I want you to pray and ask God to help you be the dad that you should be. Help, ask God to help you be the granddad that you should be. And then before anybody dismisses in a few moments, then I want to pray for those that are right up here. And we'll continue our invitation. I'd like to ask you to stand to your feet if you would with heads bowed, eyes closed.